Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And hey, man, this is about as close to a studio as we've ever been. Yeah, we're, we're moving on up. And there's a reason we're moving on up, because we are in a room in a about-to-be-open brand-new restaurant just outside of Waco, Texas. And we are here with Hellberg Barbecue. And let's go around the room here and introduce everybody, starting with the owners. Um, Philip Hellberg. I'm Yvette Hellberg. My name is Kevin Funderburk. My name is Chance Gagnon. And I'm Matt Cummins. Sorry, Chef Matt Cummins. <laughs> and this is the, the opening Hellberg team, or a substantial part of the opening Hellberg team. Uh, you guys are up to how many employees now? If you count the trailer in town, as of today, we're at 12-ish. 12 or 13 or something like that. I've honestly lost track. And it was a company of two about a year ago at this time. So yeah. Qu- quite the growth in a very short amount of time and a lot of accolades in a very short amount of time. And let's get into what's gone on over the last year with Helberg Barbecue. Uh, it wasn't sunshine and roses from day one, but uh, things are, are looking good right now. Yeah, I mean, we y'all interviewed us three weeks after we opened. And... I think we were just getting ready to start doing Zwiebach for breakfast, and we had just discovered pesto stuffed turkey, I think, at that time. And we got invited to Pints in the park because somebody else dropped out. <laughs> and so it was a cool opportunity for us, obviously. Got us, uh, got us in front of a lot more people. So... It still took a while for Waco to really know we were there, which is fair because we started out on a side street outside of a coffee shop and it was really difficult to see us. And most of the time, the days that we were only open, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday at the time, and pretty much every day that we were out there, there was another trailer parked next to us to where when you're driving by on Austin Avenue, you couldn't even see us because we were behind the other trailer. So pretty amazing what happens when you move about 50 yards on the same property. You know, we moved from the side street up into the parking lot, and that day our sales tripled, and they stayed that way. And it was just purely visibility, you know. Location, 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 but um, even that close, right? It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, same property, just a different part of it. <laughs> and that, that's a good thing for any young business owner or want to be business owner that's maybe listening to this episode is make something as what seems as simple as making yourself visible, whether that's moving your truck, if you have the capacity to do that or extra signage, anything that makes more people see your name, see your brand, it, it's going to help at least get you that chance of feeding them the first time. Now you still have to deliver good food, but it at least gives you the opportunity to deliver that good food. Yeah, I'll say like the the biggest thing for us that we learned in the last year is you know it's not as i don't i don't want this to send the wrong message but it's not as simple as make great food and everything else will work itself out even though in the end that's kind of what has happened for us and not 
not the end. I mean, just up to this point, that's kind of what has ended up paying off for us is just doing our best and making the best food we can possibly make. But there was a while there where we were, we were getting pretty close to just throwing in the towel and just, you know, hanging up our aprons and going home and doing something different because we just, we were pouring our hearts and soul into this thing every single day. And it just wasn't, the people weren't showing up, you know, and we thought it was us. And of course, like the way we operate, we just never wanted to make any excuses. We never wanted to make an excuse saying, oh, it's the location. Oh, it's the market that we're trying to serve. Oh, it's uh, this or that or our hours or whatever. Um, We just were extremely hard on ourselves, turned everything inwardly towards us to try and make us better. And pretty much the goal on those summer days where we were, you know, start to finish just the two of us um, with her being pregnant too, the 18 hour days and everything still continuing to be committed to making everything from scratch um, and then maybe selling one brisket throughout the whole day was just the only thing that we did with that was internalize that and say, well, we have to be better, you know, and that if we are, if we just constantly strive to be better, then that's, I mean, that's all we really need to worry about. And some other things, you know, moving the location up to the parking lot, which was something that we always wanted to do, but we had to wait on the proprietors to be able to do that. So, I mean, things probably would have changed or worked out differently had that happened a lot sooner, but things happen the way that they happen. You know, God has a plan and we look back on it now and are grateful that we didn't get discovered by our local audience uh, when we wanted to, because we just weren't, we weren't making, I don't want to say we weren't making that good of food then, but we weren't making as near as good of food as we are now. And we're really, we're, I will say we're much more proud of the product we're putting out now than we were, you know, April, May, June of last year when we were still really learning how to do this thing on a day in and day out basis, instead of just like doing catering or cooking in our backyard. And you were, you were pretty uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed at the beginning. With, Definitely. Um, you know, <laughs> wanting to, to do everything from scratch. And, you know, you mentioned the 18 hour days, you know, what, what kind of did you learn from that process that you've moved other than uh, focus on food quality and location? We learned how to streamline things. We learned how to work a little bit smarter. We learned how to lock things up. Definitely. Uh, Invest in security, for sure, if anyone out there (laughs) thinks, you know, even if you live in the greatest part of town or you think you do, um, stupid people are everywhere. And they may not even be the ones that live in your part of town. They, They probably come into your part of town from somewhere else. I mean, I don't want to, like, sound sound like a huge pessimist or whatever, a cynic, but um, you know, things just don't always work out the way you plan them to be, you know, and you have to adapt, you have to, you have to grow and change. I mean, the reason we ended up with pesto stuffed turkey on our menu is because I tried to sell turkey the first week we were open and no one bought it. And I got frustrated, took it off the menu, uh, had a case of turkey that I had to figure out what to do with and thought maybe let's do something, do a experiment, psychology of sales or whatever, run something as a special and then it ends up being the you know most written about thing I, you know that's associated with our name now 
um, for for better or for worse, you know, for it is what it is. Um, yeah, I think just streamlining some of our processes, um, learning how to learning how to do volume, I guess. Um, and keep the quality. Yeah, learning how to do volume and keep quality because there will there were experiments that we ran on briskets and on ribs and on other things to like create batches of certain I'm not saying like oh we just cook once a week and then reheat everything else throughout the week but you know we'd we'd test how long can I hold a brisket you know or or how how far ahead of time can I trim and season something and wrap it back up before it affects the quality of it somehow you know right. things like that there's a big difference between cutting corners and working smarter yeah you know and you figure right. out those ways to work smarter that's not compromising the quality of what you're putting out but yeah if it if it aids you getting an extra 30 minutes of sleep it's you know in this business totally you know and it's not going to affect quality you do it if you can hold that brisket an extra hour or if you can trim and season that the day before or two days before mm-hmm. i mean anything you can do to get yourself ahead of the game and get you a couple hours of sleep in this business is going to give you a leg up right so Hellberg's moving along. Things are starting to look better. You've got you know a, a better, more visible spot. You've gotten some visits. Daniel Vaughn, I know, came by and had some very complimentary things to say about you guys. How did when did the staff increases start? And and who was the first in this room to to come along in the staff increase? The doc was first. Um, he came on actually I think a week after Daniel Vaughn came, the first time. Uh, I had it was funny actually there was. There was a guy I was getting ready to hire. He's not here right now. His name's Gavin. Um, he was, I was getting ready to hire him to help work in the trailer, helping me serve and to make sides and whatnot. Because at that point, Yvette was right. I was ending my second or my first trimester. Yeah. So she was pregnant with Wayne um, and getting to a point where she wasn't. <laughs> I fired her basically. She wasn't <laughs> she wasn't really reliable. I'd go I'd run around the corner to go throw a log on the on the fire in the and and come back uh, to somebody standing at the window and she's like knocked out in the corner of the trailer pregnant um, in the summer in Texas and and you're yeah. complaining. And a trailer with no AC. Like no trailer with no AC. Working AC. Yeah. It's a little rough. That's a whole nother set of lessons we I mean we didn't really have a whole we didn't have much of a choice as as often is the case you know we started with what we had but a big difference between getting this space ready here and getting that trailer ready to open is we we foresaw a lot of potential massive headaches that we could have been dealing with with this location uh that we did deal with with our trailer and thought okay let's just spend the money and fix it right now before we open and then have to you know deal with this in the middle of doing a busy service or close god forbid close down to fix something you know that was i'll just add that in there as a note but uh i was i was supposed to hire this guy gavin to help me in the trailer and he still works for us by the way um and he's probably just finishing his shift on the truck right now but he came to try our food because he wanted I mean he had never had our food and he was he had agreed to come work for us and so he actually walked up to the trailer as I was cutting meat for Daniel um and it was funny because just the night before I was thinking about man if I hire this guy I need to show him what Daniel Vaughn looks like just so he knows you know when we get a visit like you know this is this is the guy or whatnot you know so he ended up 
standing in line right behind Daniel Vaughn, um, and I'm like over here shaking in my boots, cutting meat, and um, and I talked to him about it later. It was kind of funny. But then the week after Gavin started, uh, the doc started, and we got to work cooking together side by side for a solid five or six months. I mean, we did everything. We did everything together. Yeah. Did Did you have any previous experience cooking barbecue? Or? Uh, no. Um, so buckle up. <laughs> uh, I'm trained as a Roman historian. It's a good uh, avenue to start in the barbecue business. You might be surprised. Uh, I had some friends in my graduate program who were all about sacrifice and butchery. Uh, so if y'all are listening, love to you. Uh, but I had ceased work for Baylor University. I was part of their classics department for five years. Um, I had disagreed with the university about certain policies that they very much insist on now. And before that point, I had become aware of, uh, of the Hellbergs largely through two related things, one of which was what I'm sure a lot of your listeners do, which is odysseys, you know, tours of a number of different joints in one day or two days or somewhere like that. Uh, We've never heard of that. Oh, no, I'm sure. <laughs> Did he say one or two? <laughs> I've done three today. <laughs> I bet you have. And related to that, uh, and within those circles, you have what I might call foodies in the most strict sense, and those who love to be the connoisseur, love to be know the, the best in the area, and especially the pastor of my church <laughs> is one of those guys, and he very much appreciated what Philip was doing. I was somewhat aware of that from the farmer's market downtown. And so when it became clear that I couldn't come back to Baylor in the next semester, then certain notions that had gotten to my head, such as skilled, manual, trade work, especially that has to do with where you are and the people who live where you are, that had become to my mind a very good thing to cultivate uh, in addition to trying to find other gigs of teaching around the area. That's a, a pretty big shock, though, from an air-conditioned classroom, with a, with a pretty with with an itinerary that you get to create versus life in a food trailer, right? Well, it's more the difference between office space and the trailer. Uh, university life isn't perhaps what you might think it is. I didn't really get to set much, and that's not how faculty tend to work. But the the point does stand that. Um, there's a kind of becoming a child again and uh, a willingness to submit yourself to a type of practice and a type of discipline that you didn't really get the, you never actually got the the point of before uh, or what the worth of it could be. And so I'm in my mid-30s. I go to a boss who's a good deal younger than I am, but I... I can see the worth of submitting myself to him and to, uh, and to uh, becoming what he is in addition to what I'd already gotten to become. I mean, you know, to kind of parallel office space, I mean, the transition into a, a labor job versus an office job and, and that there is definitely, even though it's harder in a labor perspective, but there's definitely um, some more enjoyment out of it at the end of the day. And I just have to ask, I mean, obviously nobody asks if you have a case of the Mondays anymore. So. <laughs> We're big office space fans yeah. on this show. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I believe you would get your ass kicked if you asked that. <laughs> Greatest movie ever made. Greatest movie ever made. 
Yeah, we're just going to launch an office space podcast now. We're done that's with it. barbecue. That's, that's it. it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, and we'll, we'll leave a red stapler here somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Thank Swing you. line. There we go. And then to tie it into the office, you know, just put it in a bowl of jello, right? There you go. <laughs> now, we're, now we're going off on a whole different tangent. But, so, so Should we bring up Bill and Ted 3 again? Oh, my gosh. Hey, oh, that's right. We did bring up Bill and Ted 3 last year. That's still in the works, by the way. <laughs> Bill and Ted 3 is coming. Yeah, we, we talked about that. Yeah, we were talking about San Dimas and all sorts of stuff last year. My, my how things have changed, but somehow stayed the same. I'm just really glad I don't have to tell the whole story again, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't, we won't make you tell the origin story again. If anyone wants to hear that, Go look at our Hellberg episode from last year. If you like dying a slow and painful death. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was a good episode. Both of them. (laughs) (laughs) So you got, you got the doc on board as you, as you lovingly refer to him, Mm -hmm. which is a pretty cool nickname to have, by the way, I've been called a lot worse. Yeah. A lot worse than that. The doc abides. Yeah. There is still some respect that is given. And I appreciate that. We all are getting embroidered aprons here pretty soon, and his are, is going to definitely say Dr. Kevin Funderburg, Ph.D. on it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Although Dr. Barbecue is taken, and he will sue the crap out of you if you try to use it. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Ray Lampy is very litigious, I've heard. We, uh, well, yeah, we like, we like to joke that, uh, that he's not a pit master. He's a step above it. He's a pit doctor, so... <laughs> That, that's a whole other specialized field. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, who who's next aboard? Uh, Matt. Matt was next. Uh, he came on, what was it, January sometime? End of yeah. January? Actually, on my birthday, January 25th. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yay. Sold you into slavery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for the cot yeah. in the dungeon. Yeah. So, how'd you get involved in this operation? Uh, it's actually a funny story. It's pretty much through uh, the guy he was talking about named Gavin. Um, Who at this point may or may not exist. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen him in a while. He could have just been a figment of our imagination. <laughs> but uh, I've been friends with him for a while. I've worked uh, different restaurants and things with Gavin, and uh, he introduced me to Phil. And I was at a place um, where I was halfway happy where I was at. I was happy with the money I was making, just not happy with the food I was making. And uh, and Phil and Yvette just weren't at a place yet ready to, you know, to grow. We were we were growing, but it just wasn't that t- it wasn't time for me to start yet. Um, so we communicated. I don't know, probably two or three months before I even started. Yeah. Uh, just kind of racking our brain over things, and and then it came time, and then it hadn't looked back since. It's been a whirlwind since January, yeah. that's for sure. I've had maybe like four days off since then yeah we yeah i mean we talked you don't get to take time off and go eat other barbecue and i, I don't even get to eat our barbecue that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was we had pretty much agreed on something uh, a couple of months before we started but we were in that waiting period to move the trailer up into the parking lot at pinewood and we were we were in escrow on the new trailers uh the one out that's parked out here that's like our kitchen now for the restaurant and the one that's at Pinewood now we were in the middle of that and we we just didn't have the room to grow into it yet and so it was kind of stressful because we had I mean we had to we had to be ahead of the game and get our people on board to start training at the trailer because we knew we were about to start being open seven days a week 
which was just mind-numbing to wrap our heads around and it it does suck i mean i'm not gonna lie still mind-numbing yeah it really yeah it does um and so we had we had maybe i think half a dozen people that were just kind of waiting in limbo for a few weeks which i really hated but it wasn't i mean our hands were tied in the situation so matt was one of those but we were able to have him start a little bit before just to help with production and ramping up the new menu and adding to it and you know just collectively not to mention we just had a kid right so that was a big part of his he came on board yeah he came on board uh yeah like the baby was just born pretty much right yeah because he was born the 17th yeah my like the week before yeah i mean my first day actually working with you i left the hospital to go trim briskets with you yeah and i show up and he had already trimmed like three or four briskets and they were god awful. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. He, he had completely destroyed no. them. Mind you, mind you, I've been working restaurant business for I don't know sixteen years probably. First barbecue joint. I was gonna say, where, where did you First where did you learn joint. to trim those briskets? Was it uh, intuition? I'll just call it intuition. Maybe not the best intuition. I remember that day. They, t- they tasted good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they only took about six hours to cook. You know, by the time we got done with oh, it, yeah. there there did was you trim one. all the fat off. No, 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 just cut it down pretty, pretty small. He's a chef, so he likes, he likes doing, he likes to control every aspect of, and like, it it was so, I remember when we were trimming briskets the first couple weeks, he hated, he would get so frustrated at the fact that every one of them's different, and he would get so pissed when he'd scalp a part of it, you know, that, that, that part of the fat cap on the last brisket was super thick, and all this stuff, and there were a few times where he had just was trying to shape it into that perfect bullet shape and whatnot and just kept cutting and kept cutting and kept cutting. And then there was like a five pound brisket raw left. And then he just like handed it to me and stormed out of the room. And it was at that moment he realized this guy's probably better cooking in a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were just making a bunch of snow's briskets. Yeah. Snow's has little tiny baby there briskets and they yeah. work for them. There you go. Really, I was just trying to get extra meat for different sausages. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it worked. <laughs> So, so how's the trimming going now? Uh, I leave it to the other guys. I, I got I got enough on, on my list to, to do. Well, that's kind of where Chance comes in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. All right, trimmer. Let's hear it. Yeah, he's he was a natural. I didn't hardly had to teach him. It was kind of my favorite kind of person. Show you how to do it once and then, you know, let you go. Yeah. Lots of practice. Lots of, uh, you know, I... I actually grew up in Alaska. I grew up a subsistence hunter, and uh, my dad is a butcher. And if my dad wouldn't have been a butcher, I would never would have known how to trim a brisket. Like, just knife skills. I mean, trusting in that you can make that cut and not ruin it immediately. That's a, We've actually talked to a few people throughout the course of the episodes that had a butcher family background. So, you know, what was, um, from your Alaska time, do you remember what, the animals that I think of Alaska are pretty uh, stereotypical, I think, but um, what, what, was there interesting animals that that Uh, you used butchering? So, yeah, so we, every year in uh, September, we go on a two-week-long moose hunt, and my whole family, about 20 people, we all shoot about five moose between us, and we split them all, and my dad would butcher everybody's moose for them. So we had a, a little tiny concrete shop on the edge of our property, no, no refrigerator in there, no unit. We would just set up fans and 
you know, by this time, September's actual fall in Alaska, not like Texas where it's still 90 <laughs> degrees. So it would be uh, 50 degrees all day. So we would just set fans up and let our meat age, and then we'd come in and break it down. Um, you know, a moose is, a big moose is 1,100 pounds. That's standing, hanging, it's about 800. Mm-hmm. And uh, a single moose takes about 12 hours to break down. Wow. And, spent, and I imagine nose to tail butchering as well, yes, being very efficient. Com- completely. Uh, being subsistence hunters, uh, you know, beef is very expensive in Alaska. We definitely don't have briskets. Like, I didn't know what a brisket was until I moved here. I d- had never had brisket until I was like 16 years old. And like, at that point, I had Rudy's and thought it was amazing. Like, I didn't know. Um, but what I did know is like, just how to break an animal down, knowing what piece is good to eat, backstrap, tenderloins. We grew up eating what Phil called a offal the other day, mm-hmm. hearts, kidneys. Mm-hmm. We eat a lot of liver. Um, my dad makes his own hamburger and we make our own sausage. Not nearly good as ours, but <laughs> he tries. So what, um, out of those cuts, I mean, you mentioned um, the OFAL cuts, were you eating them whole or were you putting them into hash or something um, similar? I mean, that's what we're familiar with with, with whole hog is, is they take those and turn into hash or with, with, uh, with beef, you'll turn it into uh, barbacoa, some of the other ways to cook it. Because you, it, it's, you can't just throw a heart in a skillet and eat it, right? You can. Well, or can so you? I was going to say, or, like or can ago. you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's delicious. Oh, so... Uh, you know, we were out in the woods for two weeks. So we would, my dad usually shot his moose the first day of season. So we'd have 13 days to stay in camp. We would let all of the, we would take the liver and kidneys. We'd cut them in half. We'd soak them in salt water. And then we would hang the hearts in a, its own canvas bag and let it air out in a few days. And we would all spend one day. We usually wait till we had two or three moose down. We'd all spend one day in camp, make, you know, get a good box of wine, have some beers and my dad would cook all that so he would just cut it real thin after it's kind of naturally dry aged in the wind um, and just roll it in egg and flour and fry it up in a big skillet uh, wow We've usually the over the fire person in barbecue yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what about what about ribs um, you know I'm, I'm picturing you know you know beef ribs and what what would you do with moose rib so Phil hates this, <laughs> but we would cut the moose ribs into uh, four by four squares and we'd throw them in a great big pot and make broth and we'd boil them for three hours because when you boil a rib, it expands by about 300%. So you're left with just a cube of meat and it's it's per- my personal favorite way to eat ribs. Most people here in barbecue would think that's blasphemy. No, you, you've got to sauce them, throw them back on the pit, and you've got moose rib burn ends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You sell them for $80 a pound. Yeah, yeah we pastrami that heart a few days ago. I don't think you were, I was talking to Andrew about it the other day, or just before you got here. The other day, we pastrami a heart and had it for breakfast, and it didn't taste anything like pastrami. It just somehow took all the gaminess out of the, out of the heart, and it straight up tasted like a beef tenderloin. Well, it's pretty awesome. Heart, heart is my favorite part of any animal. Um, definitely very different way, many different ways you can cook heart. Uh, over the years, as I've lived in Texas and I've become a deer hunter, I'll always be a subsistence hunter. That's what I eat during the winters: deer meat. 
And uh, I'm cooking heart medium rare lately, which is how we cooked that heart the other day. And it's really good like that. But there's other hearts that you can't do that to, like uh, pig hearts or we used to, I also grew up eating black bear a lot. And uh, black bear, like pigs, carry trichinosis. So you have to be really careful and cook them completely. And that was actually one of the few smoked meats I've ever had before moving to Texas was black bear is so greasy, you can't just cook a steak. It'll, you'll get sick halfway through. So you have to cook it a long time, so either in the oven or in a smoker. And, you know, like a Traeger, nothing like here. I've never seen smokers like here in Texas. <laughs> I think I think the wood's different up there as well, which is probably the biggest we, problem. And that's that's why is we have a lot of pitch wood. It's a lot of spruce. Um, as I work on the pit, you know, I'm there for twelve hours sometimes, and I think about how would you do that in Alaska? And we have a paper bark tree called birch. The problem with birch is it holds about twice as much water as an oak does. <laughs> so it would take about three years to dry out before it's even burnable. So, so now the natural question, because we're selfish, will there be any whole animal cooking at Helper <laughs> Barbecue at some point? Um, well, moose? Yeah. <laughs> whole moose, whole uh, black bear. <laughs> no, and uh, we've talked a, a few times about doing hogs in the Filipino style. Like, we love whole hog, just how, you know, Eastern North Carolina style. And, you know, we haven't done the big hog trip like y'all have, but uh, it's like way, way high on our priority list of. Um, trips to take you know if we ever get the time um or just make the time to go out there and make the time yeah um but we we really like i mean she grew up eating lechon which is the filipino way of cooking whole pigs where it's on a rotisserie and it's stuffed with lemongrass and garlic and other like aromatics and whatnot and then just roasted over coals um our rotisserie and you get a really you still get a really great I mean it's it's really all about the skin um, that's and and honestly I th I think it's even more difficult than cooking a whole hog split in a pit because you know it's, it's just open air and it's really difficult to get the evenness of cooking the pig all the way through and getting the skin just right and whatnot so we've done a few of them I can't say that any one of them I would I would have served out of our restaurant I think it's gonna take in the last one we did. Yes, I mean, they're, we ate all of them. They were all edible, you know, so, because we didn't even start experimenting with this until I had at least, I think, a year of cooking barbecue under my belt. But um, it's a, it's just a different kind of time investment, you know. So there, there probably will be uh, lechon out here at some point. We just need to practice a lot more at it. Um, we cooked one over at Doc's house yeah. a few months ago. Uh, and I believe that was for a friend's birthday. Uh, and so we, uh, we built a cinder block pit, you know, used the angle irons to help uh, line up the cinder blocks and all of that appropriate. <laughs> Jerry rigged a, uh, yeah. a uh, spit and a way of rotating it, which you know, somewhat worked, but I think it was the pig itself that wasn't entirely thawed. <laughs> yeah. That was the main problem of cooking. And yet, I, I, I will say that that kind of thing I, is good and i look forward to doing that kind of thing for the neighborhood because yeah. otherwise it's just a hard thing for me to know people in north waco unless lechon or something rather like that is on the table for them and they know it is for them making it an event it really does help a lot of you know introduce it to a lot of people you know we've had people that have put it on their you know everyday menu in texas and some are selling better than others it depends on the market you're in 
Um, but I mean, it's an event to see it being cooked. It's an event to, you know, to watch it being picked, chopped, pulled, whatever, however you're preparing, however you're serving it. And if, and if you do it right, and if you make it an event that people want to go to if once a month, once every quarter, whatever it ends up being, I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of people that have had a lot of success with that, you know, because most people aren't going to order whole hog every day or mm-hmm. lechon every day, but if, I ain't cooking it every day. And nor, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm going to say you've got enough going on yeah, right you now. Can guarantee that, yourself that. All right, so let's talk a little bit because I know these these lovely men and women need to get some sleep and get ready for the next pitch shift and whatever else they've got Do going we look on. That bad. Yeah, we looked at it. <laughs> you look like you're operating a uh, about to open restaurant, a seven day a week truck right yeah. now, which is. Uh, I don't know about y'all. I took a nap today. So so let's talk a little bit about what we're going to see in this Helberg building and what we're going to see on the Helberg menu. Uh, now that the brick and mortar, by the time this episode is posted, the brick and mortar will be open. Yeah, so we're expanding. I don't necessarily want to say we're really expanding, but we've basically a lot of meets that we've done just on occasion or on specials will be everyday things. So we'll have pork steaks here every day. Um, of course, brisket, pork ribs, sausage. Um, we're doing one more sausage. So we started out with the beef sausage and the jalapeno cheddar sausage, which then morphed into a jalapeno gouda sausage, which morphed into a poblano gouda sausage, which mo- morphed into what we now just call a poblano popper because it has like three different cheeses or two different cheeses and, um, you know, a bunch of other stuff. And we couldn't accurately concisely name it uh based on what was in it so we just you know named it something else and we added on a a real classic kielbasa smoked kielbasa because both of our our staple sausages were on the spicier end and so we wanted to put put a more classic clean flavor profile in there so we'll have those three daily and then um i'll be i'll be rotating in some of the weird more creative sausages on occasion um once we get all of us, and we're, we're pretty much there because we've had the, the luxury of really getting to train all of our staff for this restaurant before opening and actually ha- run service with them and do full cooks and everything because we have the trailer. Um, but we're, we pretty much are lined out. We have our staff lined out to knock out those three sausages on a weekly basis like clockwork now. So I should be able to have the flexibility to get in there and get weird with some get weird with some wieners uh and then it's we'll getting have... weird in spiegelville <laughs> <laughs> that it is for sure so who who are the main sausage makers now on the helberg team um or is it kind of split up even later yeah it mostly is chance uh chance does a good bit i do a good bit we can get a vet in there to make sausage if need be she knows what she's doing in there for sure um brendan another pit hand we brought on board a couple months ago He's gotten recently a lot better at, or I don't want to say a lot better, a lot more confident, I guess. Like he was making good sausage with our guidance, and then now he's just making good sausage by himself. So it's cool. Um, it's pretty well split up. We try not, because a few weeks there, we tried to, I pretty much put chance on sausage and raw prep, and we just, nobody ever saw him. He was just like in stuck in his hole in the raw prep room and never let out for like a solid few weeks and he's he came to me and was like can I cook again because uh, <laughs> my whole life is sausage right now so um, yeah it's pretty well shared 
We, we do have a cameo appearance by another Halberg employee. You want to say hi, little boy? Oh, he's smiling. He's a big cheeser. That is Wayne Halberg, the, the latest addition to the Halberg team. The, Wayne Halberg. The, the, the Texas f- Monthly Top 50 Pitmaster in 2016. Yeah, there you go. 2045. Yeah, Daniel Vaughn will be 90 years old, and he'll be congratulating yeah. Wayne on his... <laughs> On his successful barbecue joint. On his pastrami, boudin, heart, you know, yeah. taco. <laughs> yeah, you got to get him trained on the moose. So. Yeah, moose briskets. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the location for everybody. Um, as Andrew said, you guys are open at the time that anybody's listening to this. You're just outside of Waco. Um, so location and hours. Yeah, we'll be 8532 North Highway 6 um, for Wacoans. It's... You're right on Highway 6, just past 185, as if you're going out towards Valley Mills in the old Valley Mills Vineyards Tasting Room building. Um, to start out, we're doing Wednesday through Saturday, and we're doing lunch and dinner. We plan to open, stay open until 9. Uh, the beauty about having a satellite location in town where we primarily serve sandwiches is um, if we cook more briskets than we need for the restaurant, we can send a couple over to the truck to be sold for and sandwiches so um, we're gonna do our best to to stay open later and um, just serve properly serve the community out here because we have a lot of residential around us um, a lot of people that work in town that live out here and if you're on any weekday if you're in this near this intersection you just see the volume of cars going through here people going home and I think we're going to do a lot of um, I think we're going to do a lot of business out of our pre-order pickup window. We have a unique setup here where we have a trailer, 40-foot kitchen trailer behemoth parked like perpendicular to the building that's basically connected by a garage door um, that leads into our service counter. So we can run service inside. Um, but also that trailer's service windows are pointed right at Highway 6. So when you drive by, you can see the service windows. Um, so we'll open those up for pre-order to go order so people can skip the line. Um, and that'll be convenient. We'll probably get a lot of call-ins and whatnot for to-go orders. So that's, we just want to, you know, we want to be mindful of the community out here and what their needs are and, and like adequately serve them. You know, that's just kind of what it's all about. We've tossed around the possibility of, maybe doing Sundays at some point. We're still kind of chewing on that one. We go to church. Uh, it's very important to us and our family. And I think the only way it's going to happen is if we can set it up in such a way to where um, me and Yvette don't have to be here cooking and prepping in the morning and we can just show up, get on the cutting block, serve our people, our community, you know, and then go home after that, which is, you know, everybody knows that it doesn't really work that way uh but if we can figure out a way to to do it if we get enough staff um that that is able to help us make that happen then then we we probably will at some point um so yeah yeah and then you alluded to hellberg and austin the trailer that is open seven days a week right now um let us know what's what can people expect to see on the menu at the truck that's parked at pinewood right so currently because we're not open in the brick and mortar yet. We it's when this has been <laughs> kind of confusing for a lot of people recently is basically the way it works right now is Hellberg Barbecue operates out of Hellberg on Austin. <laughs> um, and we do a full barbecue menu at lunch and then 
when and then in the evening we switch over to our barbecue pub menu we're parked outside of pinewood public house that's the reason we're there it's the reason we're open seven days a week um we need to serve the the pub patrons they need to have food being served in order for them to keep their license there because it's a unique zoning situation so uh, once we open here however um we thought about doing barbecue at lunch continuing to do barbecue at lunch and then switch over to mostly pub food and sandwiches at dinner but um, having other people cutting stressed me out to a point where we just said we're gonna do sandwiches all day because um, yeah it's been it's been a nightmare for me this last month and a half two months not being able to be on the block every second and cut every piece of meat that's served that has my name attached to it you know um, but it's it was the circumstances we were under we were trying to build this thing out I think we did a pretty dang good job in getting it put together I mean we took possession of this building March 1st and I think it's May what 18th or 19th or something like 18th today and we're gonna open um, in four days so we did a pretty good job getting it put together quickly but the circumstances were just such that I had to be here either doing production for that trailer or working on this building it's the physical location itself and so enough of that experience really taught me immediately that okay i don't like i don't like running an operation where i can't cut everything it's it's one of the things that we've seen commonly is as you do that expansion as you become more than just you and yvette in the trailer and it becomes a bigger and bigger thing finding ways to where you're still controlling that quality gets tougher and tougher but if you stay committed to it it sounds like you you're you're trying to come up with a way to where it works for you I'm not going to name names and I don't think I know anyone right off the top of my head, but obviously we all know there are operations where the person with the name on their building is not the one on the block. It's just not the way that every oper- every operation is. Right. And, and, and it's totally not the cool. only, yeah, it's not the only way to be successful. I mean, there are people that are successful yeah. that are at their restaurant to once a week, own. you know, we've I mean, just found out what, what works for us and what doesn't, I yeah. think, uh, that was, that's been a massive part of us getting to where we're at now and, uh, our peace of mind uh, comes at a cost. It's valuable to us. And so it, our peace of mind and our reputation um, and, and the, the quality control or just the fact that I can, I can rest assured that I know that every you know, slice of brisket or pork rib or whatever that came out of our restaurant that day, I, you know, it had to pass through me to get on a tray, that I can rest a lot easier with that than I can more money in my bank account from selling a full barbecue menu at a location where I'm not. So... We can do sandwiches there. We usually do pretty well doing sandwiches. We sell a ton of chopped beef sandwiches at that trailer as as it is um, because we created a monstrosity of a chopped beef sandwich um, and now it's going to kill us. Um, so we, yeah, I mean, it's a great chopped beef sandwich. I mean, we fire them to order um, in a saute pan with Alabama white sauce and cheese and it all like melts together and we put it on tallow griddled Texas toast with crispy onions and house-made pickles and it's great yeah um but we'll have that one we'll have sliced brisket sandwiches turkey sandwiches probably pulled pork now i feel bad for judging the people ahead of me that were ordering chopped beef they were <laughs> they a lot knew of something you didn't get ordered yeah. there but now, now i see why that sounds yeah. like a ridiculously good chopped beef sandwich <laughs> yeah. What they were doing. <laughs> we yeah i mean we closed down one week to do a bunch of maintenance um and we were we just took a good long look at our menu. This was months ago. And we were like, if we're going to have a chopped beef sandwich on our menu, it's got to be the greatest chopped beef sandwich that we've ever had. So 
we uh, we came up with that one. It sells. It's probably the best seller at that at that trailer. And we'll have some more sandwiches that we'll probably come up with. We've been doing a lot of roast beef lately with smoked chuck roll and stuff like that that we enjoy. Um, and so we'll still feature some special sandwiches there that you can't get here because I am not cooking that chopped beef sandwich here <laughs> ever. It's never gonna happen. So from a from a value perspective, the nachos were a great deal as well. Yeah, and that was you get a lot of food. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of food, and so and, and that's what you have to do. You know, to your point at, at the very beginning, you know, your market, your location, and your crowd. I mean, you really have to learn and understand that. And I think you've done a great job of that. Thanks. We we just want to. Just like we, we said about here, we want to serve the community adequately. Same thing over there. If we're set up at a pub, have brisket nachos, man. Have a Frito pie, stuffed potato. That's what they want when they go there, you know. No, so. Knowing your audience is a really important thing. And there, there are too many people that, that, frankly, haven't known their audience and they've struggled. You know, and a lot of them, you know, some eventually adapt, some don't. But, but you have to know, you may want to do, you know, moose rib burn ends but you may not be able to do that in the market that you're at but if you find the market you know if you find what works if it's a badass choppy sandwich or badass choppy sandwich and that's where matt has come in a lot too is like just because we're doing barbecue pub food doesn't mean it can't be creative yeah chefy yeah i guess (laughs) every once in a while i get to pull out my tweezers and make things look pretty That loves my tweezers. And, and, it, and it's not about it's not about serving things in a mason jar or stacking your food on top of each other just so it's an Instagram picture. So I couldn't I couldn't take my Instagram picture of my sample today until Matt put some green onion on it. So. I mean, you know, it's it all comes down to detail and thought process. You know, just as much as Phil has that on the pit, I like to think I have that as far as you know, just stuff that comes out of our kitchen. Every detail is thought out to the very last small detail you know on the way things eat and the way things taste and the look yeah it all it all matters you know he's helped take our side game to the next level for sure and our dessert game is about to go there too oh what's going on to the dessert menu we're rolling out first for the for the menu here i I messed up is what happened (laughs) (laughs) created myself some new jobs he opened his mouth he had some beer one night opened his mouth and now he's us. Uh, now he's chained to this. And chain. now he's a pastry chef. Yeah. And, and now I'm making bread pudding. Yeah. <laughs> with, with salted caramel in it. Yeah. Good bread pudding. Good bread. Which is not vegetarian. Not at all. It's beef towel caramel. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, it's, it's a beef fat salted caramel bread pudding. Just so you all know, anything that, that is made with cooking oil or contains any sort of fat in it, it's going to be beef towel if it's coming yeah. from us. So we don't waste. No waste. <laughs> When you yeah. do that much trimming, you got to do something with it. Seriously. It can't all go into sausage. So. Yeah, they yeah. hate me for that, too. Oh, no, you don't throw that in the trash. We're going to grind that later and then render it in a massive pot. And then it's going to stink up everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So we'll have the six meats here, um, brisket rib sausage, pork steak, chicken halves, pesto stuffed turkey. We'll still rotate in the pastrami beef cheeks and, the, and beef ribs, you know, maybe on weekends, like Friday, Saturday. Um, and then the sides we're adding on. We still we still have the ranch beans, mustard potato salad, smoked gouda mac, and um, street corn salad. salad, which we recently changed to be more kind of like a a lote cream corn sort of. Yeah, we just we wanted to make it prettier, and so we cooked it more like cream corn. He did. He cooked it more like cream corn, <laughs> yeah, and then keep that really nice bright yellow color. Yeah, and then add the the lote toppings to it, and then we're adding on. Well, why don't you tell them what we're adding on? Because they're kind of uh, your things. Super simple green beans. I mean, we're going to do green beans for the summer, for seasonal, and a 
with bacon and onion. Super easy. Um, we're going to relive a classic that people don't really do anymore. It's the thing called spoon bread, which is uh, very similar to like a, I guess you could say like a cornbread souffle pudding. Uh, just the dish that people used to use to make meals go longer back in the day. And it just tastes really good. We'll do like a jalapeno cheese version. Yeah. We've called, I, I think it's the same thing. It's, some people have called cornbread casserole or It's a little corn different than cornbread. It's casserole. more like a souffle texture. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's more like a souffle yeah. texture. Um, it's got eggs in it that you, you know, you whip into the, to the cooked cornmeal. It's just something super old school that I think is just really, really cool. Um, we're going to do chow chow, which if you don't know what chow chow is, it, it's a, it's a, ver- there's versions of it all over. Ours is pretty much a pickled cabbage version. Uh, so it's, it's a little spicy, a little sweet, super acidic, uh, very yellow. Good for, good for, uh, smoked fatty meats, smoked fatty meats. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to say Instagram. Oh, it's great for Instagram because <laughs> yeah. the colors are gnarly on it. Yeah. Um, what else are we gonna do? There's one more. Why is it getting? Oh no, you you mentioned it. Yeah, seven sides. Yeah. We'll do. We'll 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 stop doing green beans in the winter and we'll switch to collards. Collards. Because that was what That's... we wanted to do. Was we wanted to do collards and then once we got the prices on, we we're like, okay, let's not do collards in the summertime. We're gonna wait till the winter and get people excited about it. You know, and do it's... it when it's gonna be a great seasonal, seasonal option. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're gonna do the collard greens when it's gonna be the best time to do it. We're so. we're we're gonna try. We're not gonna try. We are doing all of our sides, the most seasonal, the freshest that we possibly can. You know? Same with desserts too. I mean, yeah. we're gonna do. We were gonna do cobbler, and then that morphed into hand pies. We might still do cobbler. As long as you make it, you got <laughs> it, man. Matt has some problems with cobbler. He, he <laughs> not not that he can't cook cobbler. He just doesn't. I like just it. hate it. We made a cobbler yesterday too. That was cobbler. But we'll we'll do keep the banana pudding obviously. Yep. Add a couple pies in there. We're gonna do key lime. This is my favorite pie of all time. Um, seasonal hand pies. Seasonal hand pies. So right now we're looking at berries and then probably peach soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make the dough with the beef tallow and stuff them, and, and then, then deep fry them in and the then beef tallow. fry it in the beef tallow, of course. <laughs> uh, and then what's the one? And then the pound cake bread pudding with the with the uh, again beef tallow, Sick. salted caramel. <laughs> um, and I sense a theme. Probably, yeah. uh, what do you say, almonds in there too? Maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. do some almonds, and, and then we'll 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 rotate different specials throughout the week. You know, milk pie. Yeah. By the time we finish at the restaurant, we may need a different kind of doc to help us out. <laughs> yeah. Well, the idea is we know we're we know we're going a whole lot bigger than what we were doing before. We have the staff to do all of that and still keep it simple, um, and that was done very intentionally. And the goal is I really want people to assemble a tray and have to make really hard decisions about do I want this or do I want this. <laughs> And then already have three or four things in mind by the time they're checking out of what they're going to get when they come back. So that was kind of the. So, so any chance of the Zwiebach making a return? Uh, <laughs> the selfish bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, get to work, y'all. <laughs> the problem with them is they're so dang labor intensive, and you can only charge so much for them. Um, and I feel, I don't know, I have a, I have a hard time charging any more than something like four dollars for one of those little things, even though. They're stuffed with brisket and cheese, and they're made, you know, the scratch-made dough and stuff by hand and all that stuff. 
and they're super filling, but we have several times even recently talked about potentially bringing breakfast back over here. I mean, if you're at the Stripes gas station across the street at seven, it's a madhouse in there. Same with El Norteño down the street, which they do a great job. I had their breakfast burritos this morning. They're really good. We've talked about maybe doing breakfast tacos here, but it's kind of played out already, you know, barbecue breakfast tacos. I mean, for good reason. They're, they're really good. And I think we'd rather just make them for ourselves, for the staff while we're cooking in the morning. But um, we've had some serious talks about bringing them back. I won't confirm, uh, but it, it is a possibility. And we have we might have some additional chef help coming down the line in the future um friends friend of ours that could very possibly contribute to that happening so well you guys have done nothing in the last year we're quite ashamed of you (laughs) (laughs) now it's it's amazing to see the, the growth that's happened you know personally professionally the future of hellberg is bright um you guys have a really strong team here that's, in 12 months. I mean, it's just yeah, amazing. It's, yeah. yeah, congratulations. The, Thank you. I, I know that this isn't the end for you. It's the it's the beginning of something new and exciting, and we look forward to, well, we won't be making those decisions of coming back next time. We're probably going to order the whole menu every time we come here. <laughs> but we're, we're really looking forward to seeing the, what, what you guys put out in the future because the sky's the limit for you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, we couldn't, obviously, I could not, could not have got to this point without our team and how committed these guys have been. I mean, I seriously, I've never worked for a place and worked as hard as these guys have worked for us. So my hat's off to y'all and even the rest of our staff that's not here right now. I mean, the the things that, that this team is able to make happen collectively just blows me away every day. So we are su- like truly incredibly blessed by the people that um, get behind us and that do this thing with us and so we're just you know yeah we're really happy about what we've been able to create and cultivate and we hope to just continue that you know it's a family here <laughs> I mean we spend more time with each other than we do with our family so it is it is what it is you know congratulations again and uh, everybody come on out to Helberg Barbecue at 8532 North Highway 6 in China Springs, outside Waco, depending on what address comes up. Could be Woodway, could be Waco. But either way, you'll find it. Hellberg on Austin, also an option, seven days a week, outside Pinewood. Um, Get that incredible choppy sandwich that was too stupid to order today. (laughs) And uh, thanks for listening, and we will talk with you next time.